Well, good morning, City Light. It's so good to be with all of you. And like Arnie said, my name is Tyler, and I get the privilege of leading uh, City Light U uh, and being the college intern here. So here's what that means. That means I get to be around some of the coolest young adults I know, and they truly are some awesome people. And I also have the joy of preaching from Psalms this morning. Um, And I love Psalms as a whole because this book really does give us words for life. It gives us... um, opportunity for us to enter in and uh, bring our, our cares and our concerns, our praises and our pains to God. It gives rich meaning and purpose to so many things that we face in life. And church, this is something we can truly celebrate because without that, um, I think I would be lost a lot of times as far as where I'm at in life. So this morning, we'll be in Psalms 138. This Psalms, like many Psalms, is a, psalms of, a psalm of praise. So let's get started. Right from the start in verse 1, David is saying, I will lift up the Lord, I will exalt the Lord, I'll praise the Lord with my whole heart. He's in full worship mode, right? He breaks out in praise. He's praising God, singing to God, and he's bowing down to his holy temple. Now, if you remember Eric's sermon last week, these are all appropriate postures for a true worshiper to take And I think all of the worship leaders that were up on stage this morning would say, amen, right? This is a good place to be. So David is full of thanks. He thanks God for who he is, his love and faithfulness. And can I just say, I I love, I admire David's shameless audacity. Because in front of the gods, he doesn't care who's around. He's going to break out in praise. He's the same whether they're in his presence or they're not. It doesn't matter where he's at. He's giving full praise to his God. And he lists some awesome attributes and traits about God uh, that I think give us opportunity to also give thanks to. So one of the attributes that David gives thanks to God for is his steadfast love. This is a theme throughout this psalm, and steadfast love is a unique love. It's unique and it's true, only and fully true about God. It's a love that says, not only am I going to love you, I'm going to show you I do by what I do. It's a loyal love. It's the kind that will stick around and endure to the end. God loves us in a way that we can't fully comprehend. But we see a picture of that love when he sent Jesus to us. And here's how love expresses itself in 1 Corinthians 13. It says love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own ways. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. This is the type of love that Jesus loves us with. You might say, even if I mess up, even if you mess up a thousand times, God's love is gracious and he's merciful and steadfast. But he asks that we would just turn from whatever took the the affections of our heart, whatever distracted us, distracted us from the first place, if we would just turn back to God, his steadfast love would meet us there. And he would put a ring on our finger, a robe on our backs, and he would throw a giant celebration and a feast. Church, this is something that is true about God's love, and I think it's a liberating truth for us. So Psalms 138 was written so that we could see God's steadfast love. We see it in his works, we see it in his ways, and we see it in his word. That's where we're going this morning, so let's get started. In the second part of verse 2, David says, For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. 
Now, this is interesting because word here isn't like what I thought initially. Word here is more God's name or God's reputation. You see, God, David is in a different part of history. He's before the cross. And he didn't have the word, also known as God's Bible, like we do today. So David is more speaking about who God is. David has good grounds to, to, to do so, to feel and think and see God this way, and so do we. So how does David know? This left me with the question. How does David know God's steadfast love and faithfulness then if he didn't have the word? Well, here's how. David had many of God's stories. I want to share just one of them with you. These stories would have been passed down. Uh, the stories like the time that God sent Moses, an unlikely man, to go and liberate God's people from the, the enslavement of Egypt. And King Pharaoh's uh, tyrant, he was a dictator, a tyrant leader. He was mean and oppressive. God says, go and set them free. Well, Pharaoh did not give in easily. If you know the stories, uh, he had a hard heart. It took 10 plagues that almost wiped out Egypt and the land there. Well, after all that, and Pharaoh almost losing his, or Pharaoh losing his firstborn son and almost everything he knew, he gave in. He said, go. And as soon as Israel left uh, Egypt, and they were on their own setting up camp, out of the sight of Pharaoh, his heart hardened again. And so they're setting up camp by the Red Sea. Their backs are facing Egypt, and Pharaoh chases them down once more. And so if you can only imagine when Israel was sitting there and they saw the army coming in with their swords and bows and spears, uh, fear overcame them. But God, here's why David exalts and lifts up God's reputation. God did the miraculous. He set a pillar of fire between the army and God's people, Israel, and he kept them safe while at the same time splitting the Red Sea so they could walk across dry land. Miracle after miracle. If that wasn't enough, in this cloud or this pillar of fire, on the Israelite side, it gave them light so they could see as they crossed the sea. On the Egypt side, it was a dark cloud of confusion. They were, left, they were still in their tracks. Pretty amazing. I love the parallel between light and darkness, right? So as Israel is safe on the other side, Egypt pursues after them. And just in time, God closes the waters, and Egypt is truly safe. They are free. The Bible says that this news would have spread. The other nations and kingdoms would have heard about what God had done. You see, the explosion of worship in David's life is more of the name and the word of God, his loyal reputation, than anything else. David knows the steadfast love of God because his word is true, and his reputation says he is. His name is exalted above all things. David is showing us that God's steadfast love is seen in his word. There are many stories that David would have had that would have gave him this explosion of praise, but it wasn't just stories, it was also personal for David. Like the time that he was anointed king by the prophet Samuel. Or the time that he was able to defeat the giant when no one else was willing to stand up to him. But the little shepherd boy went and trusted in his God and God delivered him with just a slingshot and a rock. Amazing. David did not only hear about God's reputation, he had a personal experience with God. Maybe you heard it said, uh, build a good reputation for yourself. Right? Because it sticks with you. If you work hard, if you're honest and reliable, generally people will think well of you. Well, unfortunately, the opposite is true, right? If all you do is stretch the truth, 
people will stop listening to you. If you sleep in too late with too many no-calls and no-shows, typically your employer won't keep you around, right? But if you show up and you're up all night, you don't want to work hard, your employees don't think well of you, right? So once you build a reputation for yourself, it can be hard to change people's mind, especially when it's in a negative light. Well, here's the good news, City Light. That's not the case with God. Unlike our reputations that can falter, God's word never changes. Once you put your faith in Jesus, the reputation that God has built for himself, he gives to you. You get a whole new identity in Christ. Uh, 2 Corinthians 2 really catches a, a glimpse of this for us. It talks about how if we are in Christ Jesus, we are a new creation. The old has gone. All those things that marked you before, all the labels that you placed on yourself are replaced on you by others, are wiped clean. In God, we have a clean slate. Is that good news? Because of God's word, we can trust him. The name, of Je- the name that Jesus upholds is holiness and righteousness. He's completely free from any consequence of sin and temptation. He's guiltless and perfect. The good news of the gospel is that this is how God looks at you and me if you are in Jesus Christ. Personally, we have right standing with God. And we get his reputation. Church, we can count on this because God says it is the way. He upholds himself to his word. He won't break his word. His very name is on the line. Something that I love or I've learned about parenting is that kids have this unique way of holding you accountable, holding you to your word. And so throughout the years, Samantha and I, we've got really good as far as what we share with our kids about future plans. Because if they're interested whatsoever, they make it a personal life mission to hold us accountable, right? (laughs) Relentless. I think there's something we can learn about it, but it's good, right? I think God's teaching us that, um, you know, let your yes be yes, your no be no. Keep your word. Well, sometimes it works out well, right? Like today, I'm hoping they hold me accountable to my word, because if they're good during Family Sunday... And I told them I'd take the kids to get some ice cream, right? I want them to hold me to my word. Other times, it's not so convenient, right? Like, after the long days at work, and you're tired, and you just want to relax, uh, and you have to go through the bedtime routine and whatnot, and they want you to read the chapter book you promised the night before that you didn't read because you were too tired, right? Here's what I'm thankful for. God's not like this. He doesn't hide his plans from us. He doesn't keep things from us because he's worried that he won't be able to fall through. No, God has revealed his plans to us long ago, and he is going to stick to his word. Whether we know it or we're completely unaware, God's word and his name are true. So what about us? David might have been appointed king, right? But David didn't have the Bible like you and I do, right? We don't have to be unaware, church. We are immensely blessed to have the Word of God at our fingertips or in your pockets, right? If you have, the smart, if you have a smartphone with the app, we have access to all different tools and all different kinds of devotionals that are out there that can teach us about God's Word in ways we don't have to be unaware. Uh, we are immensely blessed. So there's another reason that David gives thanks to God. Uh, we've seen God's steadfast love in His Word. And he's also going to point out to us that we can see God's steadfast love in his ways. So God's steadfast love is seen in his ways. 
Verse 7, he says, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. Your right hand deliver, delivers me. Um, God's ways are something to sing about, and great is the glory of the Lord. Think about David's story again. Going from a shepherd boy attending, attending to the sheep uh, to defending the nation of Israel against the giant. When no one else was willing to stand up to this giant, this boy said, I'll go. Right? It's like David went from uh, not having a say in the matter because he was the youngest of seven brothers and they would just tell him what to do. He went from cleaning the porcelain throne to sitting on the royal throne overnight. Right? It was a dramatic change in David's life. Now think about us for a moment. If you're in Christ, there's a dramatic change that also has taken place in you. If you're in Christ, we've gone from death to life, from darkness to light. That's good news. The truth is, life isn't always easy, though. And it wasn't the case for David. This certainly was the case for David. In verse 3, he says, On the day I called, you answered me. We don't know what was going on on the day that David called. But here's what I appreciate about the Psalms again. I think a good reason that we don't have an idea as far as when he called is that it gives us the opportunity. It makes it possible for you and I to enter in with our own experiences. And honestly, it gives us words to connect our praise and pain and allows us to see that God's ways are steadfast and faithful. There's nothing more powerful and soul-strengthening than when uh, you can experience God in his miraculous ways yourself. Um, and this is all possible Every one of us have this opportunity, and Jesus makes that possible. Uh, can I share a personal story with you guys this morning? Uh, no? Okay, I'm shaking his head, no. Uh, so, uh, when my wife was, was 16 weeks pregnant with our son, Ben, uh, she went to a routine ultrasound, her routine doctor appointment. Uh, we love those ultrasound appointments. I'm on my way trying to make it. She does it in the evening so I can make it to as many as possible because uh, I'm working. Uh, this routine ultrasound uh, quickly changed, though. It wasn't as the usual ones. Uh, we usually would see a heartbeat here, a loud and proud heartbeat. We could see the movement of the baby in her womb. It's unbelievable. But the doctor, after several times of repositioning the ultrasound, uh, Juan was unable to find movement or see a heartbeat. Right? And so she assures, our doctor Kim assures Sam everything's going to be okay, that she would send her to a high-risk specialist uh, right away. And in the meantime, she's going to send her downstairs to get her blood drawn. So Sam calls me, and she's in full panic mode, if you can imagine. Um, and after I hang up the phone, church, if there was ever a time that I felt my soul increase and God give me strength, it was then. Like my mind wanted to race and my flesh wanted to fail. Everything told me that I should be crumbling to the ground, but I just immediately started praying. So when I got there to the hospital, uh, Sam was going back to get her blood drawn. I was just, had my hands and face on her stomach, just praying. And I knew that it was probably weird for some people, but I didn't care. All I could do was pray. While we're getting our blood drawn, Kim called us back up one more time before she's going to send us to the high-risk specialist. And uh, we're on the elevator again, hands, face on her stomach, praying, hoping that nobody's at the top of the elevator. When we get into the doctor's office, as soon as she placed that wand on her stomach, not only did we hear a loud and proud heartbeat, literally Ben was doing backflips in, in her stomach. It was amazing. 
I'm crying. Sam's bawling hysterically. Our doctor's crying. Uh, we're not sure what, was go- what happened or what went on. But what we do know is that God was with us. And because of his ways, we, get, we are super excited and in awe. Uh, we were super excited and in awe. Will we get to heaven and maybe God would say, you know, the doctor was wrong and the ultrasound equipment was faulty? Maybe. But all I know that if, if any king or any person was in that room, they would have also been in awe and celebrating with us that night. Church, God cares for our souls, our heart, and mind. David shows us God's ways. I would like to read them to us again in verses 3 through 5. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. This is an example. These verses, my experience, just an example and a picture of God's peace, his ways, and comforting us and showing us he's near. He gives strength to our soul. He swoops us up under his righteous right hand, and he pushes away the opposition. The Bible says nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. God's ways are giving peace and hope and receiving some of the hardest news of your life. God's ways are parents living through losing a child and somehow managing to find joy again. God's ways are giving a husband and wife the strength to walk alongside their spouse as they're fighting for their life battling cancer. God's ways are carrying us through the trials and tribulations of life while experiencing hope and peace and comfort when everything else around us says that we should be crumbling to the ground. We might not understand or see God's ways in the midst and the thick of these trials, but when we look back, we clearly see that God's hand was with us. With the strength of soul, we can stand, we can continue. The right hand of God delivers us. Again, he pulls us in close under his righteous right hand, and he pushes away the opposition. It's like the ultimate Heisman, right? God's the MVP. When was the day that you called on God? Or have you ever? And the chances are, if you have, you can remember what God had done for you in that moment. Can I encourage you that others need to hear about what God did, the the increase of your soul, the strength that God supplied for you, that matters. I heard a pastor once say that the next generation, they don't want to see everything written out on paper. They don't want a good argument for Christianity. What they want to see is it lived out. They just want to see is it possible, right? So you and I living it out, that's the greatest testament to this next generation and I I want to tell you that your life is an example of that, that you have something to offer, so please share it. You have something to give. Don't sell yourself short. As long as you're pointing people to Jesus, share the strength of soul that God has given you in your life, in your days and months and years that you've been following him. In John 14, I love this picture that Jesus paints for us. He's telling his disciples that he's leaving. Could you imagine? I'd want to just hold him right there. No, you can't leave. Right? They're wrestling. But he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He said, in my father's house, there are many rooms. I wouldn't have told you if it wasn't so. And his disciples have FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. They're like, how do we get there? And Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. God pulls us in and out of whatever mess or trouble we're in for something greater than ourselves, and we get all of him. We don't get what we deserve.
That's just God's ways. So, so far, we've seen God's steadfast love is seen in his word. God's steadfast love is seen in his ways. Look with me to verse 8. The Lord will, will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. There's steadfast love again, right? It's a loyal love, one that won't leave you. David knows he is clay in the potter's hands, that the work that God started, he will see to completion. Another way to uh, translate verse 8 would be, instead of don't forsake the work of your hands, is you don't turn away. Your steadfast love endures forever. You won't forsake the work of your hands. It's a loyal love, after all, and his name is on the line. The Bible says, for those who love God, all things work together for the good. Whether it's in this life or in the life to come, the good news of the Bible City Light is that we are the workmanship of God's hands. And what God started, he will see to completion. We can see it through the Bible. We can see it through the person, the work of Jesus Christ. We can see it through others uh, in the church and through our own personal experiences with God. There was another work, though, that David was waiting for. Even though David's time in history, like I said, was before the cross, he was aware of God's work. He is aware of the fact that God would establish a kingdom forever. He knew God's promises, that that kingdom would be established and that there was nothing that could shake it or come against it, that it was final, that this was going to happen. And it gave David great hope. David mentioned trouble and enemies. He was familiar with both, but he knew God was faithful and would not forsake the work of his hands. See, like, there is a real enemy of our souls, right? And his sole purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. Without God working in our lives and sending Jesus to us, we are like Israel at the Red Sea with the army closing in on us, completely alone, abandoned, hopeless, confused, afraid. But God shows his steadfast love in the work of Jesus Christ. Look what God has done for you and I. He has sent Jesus to us and for us. He died in our place for our sake. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus stood against the enemy. Jesus defeated sin, Satan, and death. And nothing could show us the steadfast of love more than the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why we make it all about him. As David exalted and lifted up the word in the name of God, we too would do good to lift up the name of Jesus. For there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The steadfast of love is seen through the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus makes it possible for you and I to know him. Because of Jesus, we have right standing with God. Because of Jesus, we can see God's working in and redeeming us and drawing us back through himself. Because of Jesus, we will never be abandoned. Because of Jesus, we have true hope and we can worship with all of our hearts. We take heart. God is working. He has stretched out his hand against the enemy of our souls by pulling us in close. His righteous right hand will deliver us. We couldn't be in better hands. All state has nothing on us, on God. I want to leave us with this. I want the word of God to sing over your life. Uh, and I want to leave us with these promises that are true in Jesus. So Philippians 1.6 says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work will see it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, 
I, he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. We give thanks with a whole heart for God's steadfast love. We see it in his word, in his works, and in his ways. Let's pray. King Jesus, I am grateful for your kindness and your love and mercy. Lord, thank you for your ways, for showing us the way, giving us your son. He came to us and for us to die in our place. Thank you, God, for, your, for the kind of love that says, I'm going to go to them, and I'm going to bring them into the family of God. And as I was preparing, I knew that there are some who um, are aware of this work, and they've been praising God with their whole hearts from the time that he's redeemed and saved them. But I also know that there are some people here who might not yet personally know you, Lord. And so if you feel a tug or a draw on your heart, like God is calling you into this family um, that's only possible through Jesus, I just want to assure you that it truly is as simple as your ABCs. A is admit that you are a sinner, that you have fallen short of God's standard, that there is a standard and we've broken it, we've turned away against God and gone on our own. And B is believe that believe in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. For again, there is no other name under heaven which we must be saved. And C is just confess. Can you just tell somebody that? Can you tell somebody that God has done and started and is stirring something in my heart? And the Bible assures us that once you put your faith in Jesus, we have gone from death to life. So that's good news. Again, Jesus, thank you so much for your love and kindness, for your mercy and grace. Thank you, God, for showing us through your word It's who you are. You are good and you are love. And we thank you for that kind of goodness in our life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.